The scripture reading for this morning is taken from Micah chapter six, verses one to eight. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against His people; He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me! I brought you out out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what. Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings with cows a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's now invite our Reverend Nita to preach. What does God want from you? Testing. Yes. What does God want from you? Or we can ask, what does God want from me? Now we continue to. Uh, continue our series, our sermon series of uh, engaging the nation. We've shared this that for this final quarter of this year, uh, we are talking about engaging the nation. And I think when we were, um, Reverend Gabriel mentioned it last week, when we were planning this, we didn't realize that it's going to be general election. And uh, for those of you who do not know it, once a month, um, the Methodist churches throughout the whole nation of Malaysia, we gather online for a time of prayer, praying for the nation. And the link is there, uh, pray.smced.org. Uh, we want to encourage you to come and join us. And every time when we meet online, this is something, is a fruit of the pandemic that we could use a Zoom and we could do live streaming. And uh, come and join us. There are five languages. We have English. We have Chinese, we have uh, BM, we have Iban, and we have Tamil. And so uh, each of these uh, languages are in different rooms. And so uh, as we move on thinking about engaging the nation and as we face the general election, some of us may be uh, ambivalent about it. Um, those of you who remember GE13, uh, we were all very, very hopeful, uh, thinking that uh, the uh, opposition parties would be our saviour, would be our messiah and it fell flat GE14, uh, there was a change and then since then we are not even sure of what is happening in the political realm and so for GE15 some of us may feel a bit like you know, um, you're not so sure you're a bit um, uh, sceptical 
But I do want to remind all of us, and especially today, as we look at Micah, we want to draw similarities of what Micah went through and what we are going through uh, at this moment. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Thankful that we can gather together in your house to worship you. Thankful that we have your word, your written word, that we can read and we can hear it being read to us. And so now, God, as we turn to your word to study it, to look at what what you say to us in our situation, and especially with the general election around the corner, especially as we look at our nation, Father, we do want to pray that you speak to us as we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look, we all know in the Bible, you have the major prophets and the minor prophets. Uh, It may not be very clear, but this is a table where you have the names of the prophets and then who they prophesied to. Now, after King David, after King Solomon, one nation of Israel, you know, uh, was divided into two, the northern uh, nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. Uh, In Israel, all the kings were evil kings. And in Judah, there were some kings uh, who followed the way of the Lord. So in this table, you have whether the prophet prophesied to the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom, and then the kings that uh, were uh, in, uh, in, in office, the kings that were reigning at that time. And so when we think about Micah, Micah, um, he prophesied to Judah. By that time, the northern kingdom was already at the brink or already happened. They were, the people were already captured and exiled to Assyria. And so Micah uh, spoke during the time of Jotham, Ahaz, uh, Hezekiah, and Manasseh. And then if you look at uh, the second kings, describing all these kings here in second kings chapter 16, Jotham was a good king. He followed the ways of the Lord. But when it came to Ahaz, you read about it. He followed the ways of the king of Israel, the evil and wicked king, and even sacrificed his son in the fire. The Lord asked for sacrifices, but these are animals, not human beings. And so King Ahaz followed the ways of the Gentile and sacrificed his son. And then what did he do? Engaging in the detestable practices of the nations, of the Gentiles that the Lord had driven out. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. And so here you have Micah called by the Lord to minister to the nation. On one hand, you have the king who is so evil. And in fact, the Bible commentators, when they talk about Ahaz, they say evil King Ahaz copied pagan religious customs, changed the temple services, and used the temple altar for his own personal benefits. In doing so, he demonstrated a callous disregard for God's command. I am the king. I do what I want. Who cares what God's law is saying? And so that's the king and that's the environment that um, Micah 
uh, was uh, ministering to. And so if you turn to the to Micah, now I will encourage all of you to go back and read okay, the book of Micah. There are only seven chapters. All right? We're looking at chapter 6 today. But at the beginning of Micah in chapter 1, verse 1, it says the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord that came to Micah during the reign of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw, and then immediately verse two, you hear the words of the Lord. The Lord says, "Hear you people, all of you, listen, earth, and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from His holy temple." And so the way Micah was written, it is just like a court case that God is taking the people of Israel to court. And so here God says, I have a charge against you. I want people to bear witness to you. And so if you read through the book of Micah, you would see that as I've mentioned, Ahaz was an evil king. But not only was the king evil, the people had forgotten God. The people had gone their own way. And in fact, if you read through the book, you will realise that there were so many sins and wrong practices, fraud, theft, greed, uh, oppression, injustice, extort uh, extortion, uh, debauchery, hypocrisy, heresy, lying and murder. All kinds of all these things. Now on Thursday night during the prayer meeting, I was leading the prayer in the Chinese congregation and I said that um, we look at Malaysia and I said, what is the uniqueness of Malaysia? Somebody said corruption. <laughs> and I said, no, that's not true. Okay, Even in supposedly clean countries like Singapore, UK, US, there is corruption. So corruption is not unique. And then if you look at these sins, if you look at the sins there, you would think that this is Malaysia, isn't it? Right? But it is not. This happened 3,000 years ago during the time of Micah. A very, very dark period of the history of Israel. And so when we go to Micah chapter 6, what does the Lord say? It says the Lord's case against Israel. So that's why I say it's like a, a court case going to court. The Lord is taking the people of Israel to court. And what did he say? He said, listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. So here you have it. The Lord is taking the people to court and bringing charges against them. But, you know, when we go to court, you will call people to be witnesses, right? You call people. But here you look at it, the Lord, who is the Lord calling to be witnesses? Mountains and hills. Alright? And you say, why? Why mountains and hills and not people? Now, earlier on, if you remember when I was reading through 2 Kings, it said that Ahaz, right, he did detestable thing and he built altars in high places. Okay, for the Canaanite religion, they would build altars and Asherah poles and temples and places of worship altars on mountaintops. 
the Canaanite religion is it's um, a, a agriculture base, a fertility gods. And so on high places, they would set up all these places for worship. And so it's not the Canaanites who continued that worship, but God's people. And so even God's people have built altars and Asherah poles and stones and, 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 and places of worship on mountaintops. And so that's why God says, ask the mountaintops, what have you seen? Have you seen my people worshipping on mountaintops? When God's people should be worshipping in a temple, but here you have God's people following the ways of the Gentile. Friends, as we listen to this, one thought that we need to reflect and think, have we also today, 21st century Christians, have we also, like King Ahaz, have a careless disregard for God's law? Have we also followed the ways of the pagans, of the Gentiles? And then God goes on to say in verse 3, My people, what have I done? How have I burdened you? See, this is really like a court case challenging, right? Challenging the defence. What have I done? Tell me. Now, that's the NIV version. In the message version, I like it. It's really plain language. Dear people, how have I done you wrong? Have I burdened you, worn you out? Answer. So you see the sternness of God in challenging the people. God, the Almighty God, and yet His people have turned away from him. Now then very interestingly as we move on to verse 4 and 5, what did God say? God said, I brought you out of Egypt. Now if you look at the history of Israel, Egypt, what happened in Egypt, how they left Egypt is pivotal to the history of Israel. So God says, you were slaves. I redeem you. And so the minute when God talks about Egypt, what do you and I think about? We think about the plagues, how God delivered them. We think about the crossing of the Red Sea. Or before that, we think of the slaves where they had to make bricks and it was so hard. So when God challenged them, what have I done wrong to you? Now you think about Egypt. And then not only Egypt, he says, I sent Moses. Now God names names. You want witnesses, you want testimonies, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And so the minute God talks about Egypt, the people should remember, we all remember also, isn't it, what happened? 40 years in the wilderness, what happened? Unending food supply, water supply, protection, guidance. It is just like us today, when you come to church on the first Sunday of the month, when you see there the communion elements, what do you think about? We think about the death of Christ on the cross for all of us. We think about what He did on the night that He was betrayed. The bread and the cup is not just bread and ribena. It has meaning to us. And so when God talks about Egypt, 
When God talks about Moses, think about Moses, think about Aaron. The people are supposed to remember. Then God goes on to, my people remember what Balak, king of Moab, uh, plotted and what Balaam, son of uh, Baal, answered. Now, maybe these two names were not very familiar. Now, how many of you remember the incident in the Bible where a donkey could talk? Donkeys don't talk, do they? This morning, I asked the children in the Chinese congregation, donkeys talk? No, no, not at all. But do you believe that in the Bible, there was an incident where the donkey talked? And that was Balak and Balaam. Balak, the king of Moab, called a prophet of God, Balaam, come and curse God's people. And although God told Balaam, don't go, don't go, don't go, as usual, sometimes we don't listen very well, Balaam went. He rode a donkey and on his way, and God sent an angel to stand in the middle of the road. And the donkey couldn't pass. The donkey went close to the wall and then sat down, refused to move. Balaam didn't see the angel. The donkey could see. And then Balaam struck the donkey. And then the donkey spoke. Alright, so go back. Look at uh, Numbers 22 to 24. The incident is there. And so when God says, Remember Balak and Balaam, what you think is impossible. Donkeys don't talk, but I can make the donkey talk. And so again, these people would be thinking about what an impossible God we have. So all this is supposed to remind them of what God has done. And then God went on to say, uh, the verse there, okay, remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Okay, these are names that maybe were not very familiar. Okay, but for the people at that time, they would remember what are these two places. Okay, Shittim is on one side of the Jordan River. That is the last stop before they cross over uh, the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's where Moses died and Joshua took over. God provided a new leader. And when you think about the crossing of the Jordan River, it's not, it's not uh, Joshua raising up the hand and the river parted, but the priests had to put their feet on the water. Then only the water parted. For me, that takes greater faith. You're scared if you put your feet on the water and the water doesn't part. But when God mentioned Shittim and Gigel, they would remember the change of leadership. They would also remember that's the last stop before they crossed the Jordan River. And then when they cross over, the first stop is Gilgal. And what happened there? They were circumcised. God says, now, all those people who were born in the wilderness, who lived in the wilderness, no circumcision was done. Now, do it. And then, not only then, they celebrated the Passover. It's like us, celebrating the Holy Communion. We would remember what the bread and the cup is. For the people of Israel, Passover, the Lamb, 
the wine, the uh, bread without yeast, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs. All this is supposed to remind them of all that God has done. And then not only that, a very interesting thing happened. Manna stopped. For 40 years, unfailing, you go out, there's manna to collect every morning. But the minute they entered the promised land, they took the produce of the land. And so manna stopped. So when God said, think of Shittim, think of Gilgal, they would remember all this history. And then God's next question is, with what shall I come before the Lord? God is speaking as if he is he's speaking on behalf of the people of Israel. Like they would be asking, okay, all right, all right, I hear you. All right, I know Egypt, I know Moses, I know all of this. Now, what do you want from me? And here you can see sarcasm. Okay, God is speaking like he's speaking on behalf of Israel. And he said, what shall I do? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves? Now look, it's calves. It's plural. Not one, many. And then God says, a thousand rams. Bring a thousand rams. Bring thousands, ten thousand rivers of olive oil. Olive oil is not in a jug, it's in a river. Not one river, but 10,000 rivers. God is being very sarcastic here. What are you going to bring for me? You think you bring rams and olive oil and calves. Is that going to pay for your sin? And then God says, Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? As I've said, God's way is not to offer your firstborn son. That's the way of the pagan. But God is challenging the people and say, You think you offer your firstborn son that will atone your sin? And then we go on to verse 8. And this is the question God says He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Not a thousand rams, not a thousand calves, not rivers of olive oil. But what does God require of us? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Now, if you think about this, it is both external and internal. The people of Israel think that, okay, if I do this, 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 I offer this, 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 God would be pleased. But what pleases God is a transformation of our lives. It's what happens inside. Who knows if I have acted justly? I know. God knows. Who knows if I have shown mercy? Who knows if I have walked humbly before God? And so here it is talking about transformed lives. What Micah is saying in the backdrop of darkness is not what you do, it's not what you give to God, it's how you live your life. And I like this, as I said, um, I like the message version of the Bible, plain words. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in men and women is quite simple. 
do what is fair and just to your neighbour. Of course, here neighbour encompasses more than that. What is fair and just. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Don't take yourself seriously. But take God seriously. And so as we look at this, what does God require of you? What does God require of me? The first thing is act justly. What is acting justly, my dear brothers and sisters? What is justice? Justice is fair-mindedness in action. Justice has to do with all kinds of relationships in schools, in workplaces, in family relationship, in church relationship, in community relationship. How do we judge and think of one another? We treat people the way God treats people. And so that night when I was uh, sharing in a prayer meeting and I said, what's the uniqueness about Malaysia? It's not, not corruption, okay? But it's the fact that we have so many different races in our country. I think um, Malaysian Airlines, the, the, the tagline is Malaysia, truly Asia, right? You have all kinds of people. And so when we talk about the races in Malaysia, we often say Chinese, Malay and uh, Indians, and that's all. No, there's so many minority groups. How many of you know how many? We don't know. Okay. Now, when I, whenever I think of the Orang Asli in West Malaysia, I only know Sanoi. All right, because uh, in the Methodist Church, we actually have a Sanoi Mission Conference. All right, we help the uh, Sanoi brothers and sisters uh, set up churches, and we support them. The other day, I was invited to the launching of a translated Bible, and then I said, "What Bible is that?" And the person said, it's uh, Semilai. And I said, huh, what? <laughs> I've never heard of that word. And so I did a bit of reading, a bit of finding out. It's another group of Orang Asli in West Malaysia. And there you have all the names. We don't know even their existence. And of course, in Sarawak, right? Most of us would know uh, the people group here in Sarawak. Um, this week, I think it was the uh, graduation of uh, both Unimas and Swinburne. And those of you who have read the newspaper, there's this lady in this, uh, who graduated with a PhD in Swinburne. How many of you read about it? What was her? Yes, what was her specialty? Kajaman language. I don't even know there's a Kajaman group in Sarawak. Right there. There you have it. Barawan, Kajaman, Ukit. And then Sabah. Now, if we don't know them, how can we act justly to them, for them? How many of you remember these two pictures? I think it happened last year. You remember. What's the man doing? He was attending an interview for admission to university. He was applying to go to a teacher's training college, right? And then his father set up the shed for him and he sat on the mat and he went through the interview. And apparently after that, his pants were wet because the ground was wet and he sat there. 
The other girl, remember there was a big hoo-ha? She's a student in Sabah. She climbed out a tree to get internet so that she could do her studies and sit for her exam. Tell me there's justice in Malaysia. How can my brother and my sister be using internet like that? And so my dear brothers and sisters, this is a good reminder when we think about the people around us. Most of us can memorize John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world. Probably one of, one of the first verses we memorize as Christian. But remember, it says, God so loved the world. Not God so loved Christians. That Christians who believe Him will have eternal life. Yes, Christians who believe Him have eternal life. But His love is all-encompassing. He loved the people of the world. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, will you love those God love? Will you act justly and speak up for them? There's a tagline that says, Voice of the Voiceless. You and I can be that. One of the things that when we talk about engaging the nation is that we can be a united voice to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, what does God want from you? Not a thousand rams, not calves, not olive oil, but to act justly. To love mercy. We may do merciful act, but really love it goes one step beyond. Extend mercy and kindness as we ourselves have received mercy and kindness. We desire mercy from God, but do we extend mercy and kindness to others? I think some of us have really benefited, right, from kind acts of other people, from merciful acts of other people. I've always remembered Ming Hung. I was very impressed when you shared with me when you were a student in, in the US, the sister in the church took you under her wing and then really took care of you and provided for you. You're just a young student. And that sister showed kindness and mercy. And I told Ming Hung, I have a similar story, just that I wasn't a student. I was already working in Singapore. I lived alone. And so you know how it is, a single person. After work, you come back, you're so tired. You ching tai cook. You put everything into one pot and then be done with it. There's a church lady who lived um, between my rented place and the bus stop. So whenever I come back, I have to walk past her place. And when she found out that's where I stay, and, and uh, she then said, when you come, when you walk past my house, just come in. And she packed dinner for me. A beautiful act for a young girl working in a foreign land. Then gradually, it's not just dinner. It's not just rice and veggies. Sometimes there's fruits. Sometimes there's dessert. And sometimes there's even breakfast for the next day. I would never forget that. A kind act that she did for me. And so friends, as we think about the dark 
environment that you and I are living in. All that we need is a candle, a candle of light, a candle that shines in the dark. Francis of Assisi said, doesn't matter how dark it is, the thick darkness can never overcome the power of one single light. And that is Micah. Micah lived in a very, very dark world. He's a lone voice. And yet his message is, act justly, love mercy. Just past week, my sister from Miri came and uh, spent time with me and the two sisters went jalan-jalan, shop here, eat here, go here, go there. And then uh, ended up, I was at uh, DIY. And so I wanted to buy something. There's an elderly lady standing in front of me and I know she was talking with the cashier, but I wasn't really paying attention. And then uh, she said something to the cashier, the cashier said something to her. And then she pointed to a pack of pencils. She has bought a pack of pencils with a sharpener and eraser. And so then she said, okay, uh, bye. And so the cashier was keying in. Then I noticed that she turned around to her husband who was standing out there. And she did this. You know? Then I thought, hmm, so being kepo, huh? So I asked her, I said, auntie, spoke in Mandarin. I said, are you buying pencils? Uh, to draw your eyebrow and she said yes and I said but auntie that is pencil for writing not for drawing your eyebrow and I said go across to Guardian uh, that's where you can get your eyebrow pencil so then she said oh okay then she told the cashier she's not buying she just moved away I finished paying for what I bought and then I went over to Guardian as well I asked the staff at Guardian, I said, just now did the auntie come and buy the um, eyebrow pencil? And the, the cashier at Guardian said, yes, she was here. And when I show it to her, she said, it's too expensive, it's 10 ringgit. It's too expensive, so she didn't buy and she walked away. And my sister who went to Guardian before me, I said, ayah, ayah tea. If only we had been more sensitive. It was such a good opportunity, isn't it? To show mercy to someone. It's only 10 ringgit. But we missed the opportunity. And so it reminded me of what John Wesley would always say. Now, those of you who may not know it, the Methodist Church, we have a book of discipline. We have our doctrinal statement that we believe in uh, the Trinitarian God. We believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament and so on. But there is also general rules. Okay, there are three general rules. The first rule is do no harm. The second rule is do good by being in every kind merciful after their power as they have opportunity doing good of every possible sort and as far as possible to all men. Now, this is John Wesley's English. Hard to understand. Somebody reworded it like this. Can we all read this together? Do As long as you ever can. Friends, let's all be the light that shines in the dark. 
Let's all learn to act justly, love mercy, do all the good you can, wherever you can, to whoever you can, anytime, any place. Let's be that light. Let's be agents of grace and mercy in this dark land. And then finally, God says, walk humbly with God. Humility is something that's hard to come by, isn't it? I'm not sure how many of you remember the song. I can't remember, was it Rolf Harris who said, it's hard to be humble when I'm perfect in every ways. That's human, isn't it? But one of the lessons that I felt the pandemic had taught us, that we human beings, the human race, have achieved so much we can put human beings to space. We can even send a body, a dead body to space and keep it there until medical science so improve that we can bring the body back and then treat the person in time to come. We, can, we have artificial intelligence. We have robots, machines that can do so many things. We are great. But in the last few years, one invisible, tiny little virus have turned the world upside down. We live in a world where everything is in our control. I have all the controls and so I can control everything. Whenever I want to on the aircon at whatever temperature, my car, my gate, and even now today, my slides, we're in control. We think we are. And so the final thing that Micah reminded the people, forget about yourself. Forget about focusing on yourself. But let God be our primary focus. The opening hymn we sang just now, How Great Thou Art, that should always be something that we're singing, not How Great I Am. Yes, I can do a lot of things. But the control and the greatness belongs to God. And so friends, what does God want from me, from you? Act justly. Let this be something that comes from within. With our transformed lives, having received grace and mercy, and knowing that God loves the people of the world doesn't matter what race, what religion, what color. We dispense justice. And then we love mercy at every opportunity to whoever. We want to do good, we want to show an act of kindness. And then we walk humbly before the Lord, allowing the Lord to lead us and guide us. Then only we can talk about the dark world and you and I are the light. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful to you for your word, for this time of reflecting and digesting your word. Father, we come before you and especially as we're about to partake of the bread and the cup 
We're reminded, God, of your love. We're reminded, Jesus, of your sacrifice. And so we offer up our lives to you, all that we are, all that we have. Father, take and use for the glory of your name. Help us to always remember what you require from us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.